Hi, I'm Nikki O'Brien and this is Quintessential Being. This podcast is a heart-driven passion project of mine. It's about sharing stories, journeys of self-discovery, giving you actionable tools, shifting perspectives. It's about bringing you anything and everything that will help you understand yourself, love who you are right now, and deepen the connection with those around you. So thanks for joining me and let's jump in. Oh, the festival season is upon us and while there are so many things that I love about Christmas, the smell of real life Christmas trees, which I insist on doing every year, even though it costs me a small fortune and the smell of gingerbread, (laughs) Uh, traditions that have been passed down from my mum to our little family of two, myself and my son. Sometimes this time of year, well, any time of year really, where your family gets together can be super fucking stressful because not only is there financial stress and physical stress just I think from coming towards the end of the year you know everyone has we're like excited and amped up for a new year and we're a bit exhausted from the year we've just had and and it can take its toll on people and um, I find generally this time of year can be a little bit tricky to navigate so and full disclosure just quickly FYI I'm sitting here recording this cuddling my son's little bunny. (laughs) Such a beautiful trick. If you're feeling emotional and you want to connect with your inner child, I find it so valuable to be able to connect in and give, you know, a soft, beautiful plush toy, a bit of a cuddle and have a cry if you need to, or say some things that you need to say to your inner child. Just a little side note there for for all of us to, you know, to be healthy and happy adults because it's shit, let's face it, when there's when there's adult eight-year-olds walking around and comments about your life and all that stuff. Anywho, I digress. I am the first to admit that I bloody love my family, but it's probably fair to say that even the most loving family has its fair share of tricky dynamics to navigate over the festive season. So I brought in the big guns. We are chatting to Boundary Queen and Codependency Recovery Coach Hayley McGee. Hayley McGee, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again on Quintessential Being. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Had a great time last time and I'm thrilled to be back. Oh, I just love having you on. And this time the festive season is upon us and it can be a super stressful time of year, like financially, emotionally, mentally, trying to be and do all the things for all the loved ones in our lives. And sometimes we, we know, we forget that we need to do this for ourselves too. So let's break down some easy to use strategies to keep us sane and merry this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I think it's so easy to get caught up in the rush and the festivities and we forget 
that the holidays are a time for us to sort of nourish ourselves and get back to center, you know? And so it sounds like boundaries are in order. Oh, <laughs> 100%, right? And personal mm. power, like going into these extended family gatherings with a feeling of like ease and safety and confidence is that's just going to help you feel, you know, and, and emanate better energy, right? Totally, totally. And it's kind of wild, right? Because I feel like when we pass folks on the street or we talk to friends or family nowadays, when we say, oh, you're looking forward to the holidays, whether it's like Christmas or whatever, um, rarely do we get a simple yes. Usually there's a lot of like, oh, an eye roll, but it's so busy. I'm so stressed out. And you know, it would be so nice to hearken back to sort of some of that simplicity around the holiday season. Oh, wouldn't it? I love that. I love that essence. Keep it simple. That's really what we need to like dial it back. So Haley, it's super hard for even the most practiced boundary setter to do so clearly and easily with parents. Like we feel like we owe them so much because they brought us up. So what works for you when you're trying to negotiate that kind of situation? Yeah, it's funny, right? I know I've been there where I'm like, wow, okay, my parents gave birth to me, they raised me, they supported me financially until a certain age. And it's just like, wow, how do I set boundaries with these folks when I feel like I owe them everything? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Like, how do I even say no to that? Like, my mom gave birth to me, she made me. (laughs) Right? I know. And I think, um, especially with family, I think a big part of setting boundaries with family is to like bringing to light the unspoken expectations we carry around with them. Mm, Um, you know, so even illuminating, being able to say, Oh wow. Like I feel like I owe my parents everything, but that's just an unspoken expectation that doesn't have to necessarily be an objective truth, sort of like getting to the root of some of why we act the way we act. And I think sometimes, you know, with all boundaries, it's important to remember that though we may not realize it at the time, generally, we're not the only ones who benefit when we set boundaries with others. Um, Here's an example, right? So like, let's say your parents really want you to come home for Christmas, Mm -hmm. but you struggle when you're at home. Maybe family dynamics are hard, or maybe you're just so stressed out this holiday season and you can't really manage it. Mm -hmm. For so many people, the idea of saying, I'm not going to come home for Christmas this year, it sounds so hard, Mm -hmm. right? Um, it can cause us we're like, they're going to be so angry at me. They're going to be sad, but it can be helpful to reframe and ask ourselves, how might my parents actually benefit when I set this boundary? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it means that, um, when you do end up seeing them, maybe in a couple months from now, you'll be in a more grounded and calm space to interact with them in a really present way, mm. as opposed to being stressed out around the holidays. Um, you know what I mean? So like asking ourselves that question and seeing what kind of innovative answers we can come up with tends to really help me out. Totally. And I think in Australia, maybe it's probably a little bit different to the States and and that we, um, we probably go away on holidays with our families rather than like have to come home, I think. Um, that can also oh, be the dynamic. No so just like, yeah, switching it up. So it's like, rather than um, if you're living interstate and coming home to your family situation, going on holidays too with them, you know, like sometimes <laughs> there's a part of you that really wants that holiday and wants that time out, like you said. Um, but, you know, but spending it with family, you're like, oh, what's going to happen and what's going to unfold and can I be bothered? And, you know, like you said, you, ra- you even bump into random strangers and it's like this this time of year we've really um, amped it up and we've really, you know, thrown a lot of, um, a lot into the mix and a lot of pressure rather than 
rather than it being about the simple things of getting together and having a meal and being grateful for for each other's love. Mm, absolutely. And I hear how it's so interesting where in Australia, especially if there's that um, additional frenzy of planning a trip elsewhere and like yeah. going on holiday. Yeah. That really raises the stakes even higher. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, I remember this is, it's similar to what you just said, but um, a couple of years ago, um, this was a huge moment in my boundary setting journey. So I'll share it Ooh, in case it's helpful you. for others. Um, I remember my mom was planning a family trip to Hawaii, and it was going to be our first family trip in a, in a long time. And she had already purchased the hotel and some of the flights, and it was like ready to go. And I realized in myself that I didn't want to go on this trip because there were some unresolved tensions in our family that would have made it really hard to go. Um, I would have felt stressed. I would have felt overwhelmed and I would have felt this pressure to pretend that everything was okay, even when it wasn't. Mm. And I remember, you know, consulting with a couple of my friends and being like, I mean, she's already paid for all of this. She doesn't even know I'm stressed out. How could I possibly turn this down? But my friends reiterated to me over and over, like, Haley, you don't have to go if you don't want to. And this could actually be a really powerful moment to open up some of these important conversations in your family. Mm. Um, and so I remember, I still remember the phone call when I said to my mom, I like took a deep breath and I was terrified. And I kind of just said, you know, mom, I love you, but, um, I don't think I can go on this trip with the family because I think there's some stuff we need to figure out first. And it was really hard to do that. But I also remember feeling extremely free and peaceful after, because mm. I realized that I could trust myself to advocate for what I needed. Um, mm. And the cool part, I don't, not every family works the same way, but after that happened, it was sort of a, a light bulb came on for my mom and she was like, wow, there's something going on that really needs to be fixed. And so saying no to that trip actually opened up a conversation between me and my parents about some of the difficult dynamics going on. And for the first time ever, we were able to talk about them openly. Um, so I know it's kind of a long story and thanks for letting me share that, but, um, such sometimes setting those boundaries story. has unexpected positive consequences. Yeah. And such a powerful story. Like, Oh God, the fear, <laughs> the fear to have that kind of, yeah. Like to have your own back in that situation. And because really you don't know what's going to happen. We, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't know if you, if your mum would be happy or sad about it, you know, or angry even. That's right. There was no way to know, yeah. you know, and I knew just saying the words it would cause, I knew, um, she wouldn't like it. Yeah, right. Like yeah. I knew that she wouldn't be happy. She actually ended up um, canceling the trip, which was interesting. And so that's something we really struggle with is detaching mm. from others responses to our boundaries and just trusting that like, we're not responsible for how others respond. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh man, I feel for you. And, um, congratulations on stepping into your power there and opening, opening up to your mom. That's huge. I don't know that I would have the same bravery yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. And, every, you know, every family's different. And, like, yeah. I am – I was definitely lucky that um, my parents were receptive. But, like I say all the time, I think I may have mentioned this last time I was on with you, is, like, boundary setting is like working a muscle, you mm. know, and with every iteration and every practice it does get easier. 
So the holidays, <laughs> we can get a lot of workouts in around the holidays, oh, I think. Totally right. <laughs> so let's talk about the family home for a minute, like maintaining decorum when you enter the family home, like that saying, you know, I don't know whether we talked about it last time, but like you think you're en- you're enlightened, like go home to your family home and then tell me how enlightened you are. Like that just rings so true for me because <laughs> it can feel like you just snap right back to your childhood self and the same dynamics play out. So if you're going into your family home or even an auntie's or an uncle's home that you, you know, spend a lot of time in in childhood for this festive season, how can we help ourselves to stay empowered about our life choices in that circumstance? Here's what comes to mind, and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this too. I like to remember that boundaries are sort of like verbal self-defense. You know, Mm. boundaries are how we protect ourselves and maintain what's important to us. And in order to do that, we need to have a clear understanding of what it is that we're protecting. Mm, Uh, Meaning we need, yeah, right. Like we need to have a clear sense of who we are and what we value. So this way, when we go into situations where others may try to influence us or get us to defer from our wants and needs, we're able to stay strong and stay rooted and set those boundaries. Oh, totally. Yeah. So for me, what I find really not only helpful, but necessary going into those environments is um, beforehand, I like to give myself time and space to be alone with myself and reiterate to myself, what do I really value? How do I want to show up in this situation and what matters to me? Sort of like getting in touch with that inner self that I want to defend (laughs) among others. And then yeah, so sort of whether it's like through meditation, yoga, just quiet time, maybe even journaling, you know, um, and so this way, when we're in those complicated dynamics, we can hearken back to what really matters to us. That's sort of what first comes to mind for me. What comes to mind for you, Nikki? Yeah, I love that. And I think that's so powerful, even, yeah, like checking in with your values and and why you're living the life, your life the way that you are. Like, you know, I think often walking into, sometimes it feels like you're walking into, a, a, you know, the lion's den, especially if there's extended family around and you know your grandma always comments on your weight or your brother always comments about how you never you're not married yet or whatever the situation is and whatever the comment is because we all have different wounding around what's going on but yeah if you can walk in with like a silent mantra in your head about why you're living your life the way you're living it and and like you said what your what your values are then then that is super powerful and I think on the other end too like you know, we can't escape, we can't escape those kind of comments sometimes. And whilst, yeah, like boundaries are self-defense and we can, and we can say that in that moment, it's probably not in all honesty going to stop the reaction that you have. And so take a moment, maybe just step away, go to the toilet, go to the bathroom and have a moment. Like I've done that a couple of times, you know, where someone in my family has um, really upset me and I've sort of removed myself from the situation for a minute and, and really affirmed that, you know, I'm a strong and powerful woman and I make my life choices and I stand by, you know, my parenting values and all that kind of stuff just to, um, just to reaffirm and, 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 you know, that you're an adult rather than going back into that child space. I love that. You know, I love what you said about taking space. Like, it's like, don't be a hero, right? Like if you're in a situation where it's really toxic or it's really heavy or tense, you, you don't owe anyone 
um, your physical presence in those moments. Yeah. Like, and I think it's, that's something I really learned too. Like I, um, around the holidays, especially I have a very big extended family mm-hmm. and despite being, you know, I, I'm enthusiastic, but I'm kind of introverted. And mm-hmm. so I know for a fact that even like around big holidays, like I get pretty stressed out when I need to spend like multiple hours in a big family gathering. And over the past couple of years, I've noticed when I'm burning out and I'll straight up take like a 20 minute silent break, you know, mm-hmm. I'll go into some quiet room, I'll just sit there and I, I'll just give myself permission to come home to myself. Yeah. And that has been huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we can talk a bit more about like in that moment, how we can verbalize, how you can verbalize that self-defense. Like what does it sound like if someone makes a comment about one of your life choices or about something that's going on that would typically, you know, break open one of those wounds? What's your, yeah, what's your typical um, verbal self-defense, Haley? Yeah, that's a really fantastic question. And I think that I notice with with a lot of my clients, especially sometimes wrapping language around our boundaries can be absolutely the hardest part. Yeah. Um, For those of us who are like recovering people pleasers, we don't necessarily have a lot of practice saying these things. And so naturally we we need to practice. And I'll tell you my favorite verbal self-defense strategy. It's it's pretty popular in like nonviolent communication circles, but it's really this I statement approach. It was developed by a dude named Thomas Gordon in 1970. And and the gist is, this is probably familiar to you and others, you say, I feel this way when you do this thing because whatever. And then you end your statement with an I need statement. Um, So here's an example, right? You might say, I feel overwhelmed when I come home for Christmas because there's a lot of unresolved tension in our family. And so I need to spend a peaceful Christmas on my own this year. Mm. What I like about this approach is that it focuses on your own feelings and experience instead of attacking or criticizing the other person's behavior. A hundred percent. You know, and so it's also, I mean, how do you argue with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you're saying what you feel. Like I've met know. people that would try. <laughs> yeah. You know, Seriously, or, yeah. Um, Actually, I've been argued with. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, or make fun of you. Um, but I think that's where, that's the, the moment where you can either choose to fall to pieces or you can choose to then, you know, remove yourself from the situation for a minute and, and recenter and, and gather your strength back. You know, I think that's, it's, it's in the little moments, isn't it? Boundaries are in the little moments, like of gathering that strength back within yourself after, after asserting yourself. Cause I, I, I generally find as a recovering people pleaser myself, once placing a boundary, I definitely go into free fall and freak out. And um, yeah, like it's, you know, a process of being like, okay, no, I am, this is true for me. This is my truth. And um, this is how I'm going to stand. And then people are going to learn slowly, but surely, you know, friends and family are going to learn. That's right. And I totally relate to the post boundary freak out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a part of my experience even to this day. And um, I honestly, something that I've, that's really helped me in this process. I like to think of it as radical transparency. I use this in my boundary setting. So when I'm setting difficult boundaries, I don't pretend that it's easy for me and I don't pretend it comes naturally. Um, What I'll say Um, And this sort of makes the process easier for me. What I'll say is, listen, 
I'm about to say something that's really hard for me to say. Like, I'm uncomfortable right now, but it's important to me that I share this with you. And then I sort of enter the boundary and just say, you know, it makes me really uncomfortable when you comment on my weight. You know, Mm. please, please stop. But it's humanizing. It shows the other person, like, this is tough for me. It's going to be tough to hear, but it's really important. And um, there's no need to pretend or, like I said, be a hero. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love what you just said there, like, this is going to be tough to hear too. Like not just this is tough for me to say, but this is going to be tough to hear because then I think people can, you know, and you can place grace around it, like just try and, you know, and there's it's almost like there's a moment of forming a connection. Like this is really hard for me to say and it's going to be hard for me to hear, but my intention isn't, isn't to hurt you. Um, this is just something that I'm working through, I guess, you know. Yes, I love that so much. Yeah. And you you can be as loving in that moment as you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, you can, if it feels true and authentic. I know in my boundaries, sometimes I'll be like, I love you so much. And I'm telling you this because I want our relationship to be authentic and real. Mm. Um, and, and it's always, you know, it's true. And it can really ease the difficulty of receiving a boundary. Because I know for me, Um, especially as someone who really used to be entrenched in codependency, Mm -hmm. I struggled hardcore to receive others' boundaries. Like when someone set a boundary with me, my immediate assumption was like, they don't love me or care about me. Yeah. Or it's a personal (laughs) attack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Even if it was like, oh, I'm going to come over an hour later than I said I would, you know, it would spark just this sort of resentment of like, I would never do that to you. And this must mean X, Y, Z. And so I think a huge part of getting better at setting boundaries is evaluating our own relationship. How do we receive others' boundaries? Yeah, totally. Um, you mentioned there like that real and authentic, like what if the other person, especially a family member say, like just isn't where you're at, you know, like some people are more spiritually evolved than others. So what if you saying that that other person isn't receiving it as real and authentic or isn't real and authentic with themselves and so just cannot be with you? Like, have you encountered that kind of situation? Um, what advice can you give us around that? Mm, yeah, it's funny you asked that. I encountered a situation like that quite recently, actually, where a dear friend, there we had a conflict, and the way in which she handled that conflict sort of crossed some bottom lines for me mm-hmm. in terms of what I what I accept in my closest relationships. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things, maybe you and, and listeners can relate, where you just cannot see eye to eye yeah, <laughs> and you, yeah. and you spiral back and forth. And it just seems like no matter how much you try to communicate what you're feeling and, and keep it real, it's just not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that, that happens all the time. And so the approach that I took that, that felt true for me was to say, I understand that both of us are approaching this situation in order to get our own needs met. And I respect that. And I just don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. And what I liked about that approach was that it acknowledged that I feel very righteously about what I'm feeling. And I know that this friend felt just as righteously about what she felt. (laughs) And it's just, there's a disconnect that needed to be acknowledged there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That actually makes it feel a lot easier than, you know, then it could be <laughs> then going down the story, right? Yeah. And I think, right. The story is, is mm. so hard and it's really, it's kind of like this surrender, like in that mm. process, when you, you surrender to the fact that 
no matter how many powerful arguments or facts or data you provide to someone, if they're not ready to meet you where you're at, no amount of convincing will get them to meet you where you are. Oh, totally. Totally. And what about when we're in family situations and there's like already a tense conversation happening and you happen to walk in on it? How can we untangle ourselves gracefully from a situation like that without, you know, because sometimes things like that can catch us off off guard and we kind of get sucked in for a second and then like, oh, oh, fuck, that's that's not where I want to be, you know? Mm, Oh, man. Yeah, especially... I mean, some of those conversations, right, whether it's like gossip or politics or religion, yeah, and you name and it. It's entrenched. It's like entrenched patterning or behavior that happens, you know, in big, in big families or when when everyone gets together, it's, um, you know, there can be there can be things that ha- that come up every year. Right. Yeah. Yep. Those sort of repeated. Yes. Um, those. Yeah. Like you said, those patterns we get yeah, into. Yeah. I feel like it's in those moments, we've got a a breadth of options. You know, Mm. there's the more we can, I mean, so much of what we've said, I think applies here. There's the approach that you offered earlier, which was where you choose to extricate yourself from the environment, Mm -hmm. right? Like you leave the room and and that's really more, that's like the self-defense thing. You're like, I don't have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. There's also the radical transparency option of just being like, you know, what I might say to add some levity might be like, you guys, I know this might make me sound lame, but this conversation is making me super uncomfortable. So mm. can we change the topic? Mm. <laughs> you know, just, you know, and I, I offer those hedge phrases because that's just like my sense of humor and my personality, but that language can be customized for I love whatever. That. I love that language. And you know what? There's probably more people that are feeling that way, but they just don't want to admit it, right? <laughs> Right. (laughs) Yeah. We all want to be like, that's exactly right. You know, I think that's actually a wonderful thing you said, Nikki, too, is that like, especially in situations with like more than one person, like a family, you're probably not the only one who feels the tension in the room. Like that energy is super palpable. Yeah. 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 So aside, you know, remove yourself from the space, say it makes you uncomfortable, or you could do something even a little covert. Um, You mentioned the word gracefully. And if you can manage to gracefully shift the conversation topic or segue into something else, that's just as valid an approach, I think. Segue. Everyone loves a good segue, don't they? Right. (laughs) Totally. You know, between those three or four, however many approaches, you've really got a nice little toolbox there to deploy based on the context of the moment. Thank you. Thank you for that. And going back to earlier, we were talking about, you know, you shared that story where you had a family trip coming up and you really stepped into like opening up to your mum and saying like, mum, I can't come. How do you work out for yourself whether to involve yourself in in the Christmas gatherings or like to remove yourself and 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 does that happen by like a moment by moment thing because you know sometimes you can go to three or four different things uh, at Christmas or if it's a big Christmas lunch like how do you work that out for yourself what's a process that you can put yourself through to really um, honor yourself and your personal safety and boundaries Great question. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, I suppose something that I'm thinking is like, if we're treating the holiday season as like this, this collection of maybe like a couple of days or a couple of weeks, it might be nice to proactively do some 
visioning around it Mm -hmm. to acknowledge your own limitations. Mm -hmm. So if you're introverted and you know that gatherings really drain you, you might, before the holiday season really comes in full swing, you might ask yourself, like, what are, how many of these gatherings am I really willing to participate in this year? And then you can sort of make a commitment to yourself to say, all right, no matter what invitations you get, you just say, like, I've reached my max and I'm Mm -hmm. focusing on having a more serene holiday. Mm -hmm. You're really making me think. (laughs) That's okay. You know, because it's good. I like this question of, like, sort of what's the framework and how do you decide, you know, and also on a a case-by-case basis, I think, um, you know, like, maybe I'm not sure if this speaks to your question, but I'm sure certain gatherings are harder than others. It's not just about the number. Yeah. It's about this one makes me feel this way and this one yep. just totally sucks. And totally. <laughs> you know. that's so, that's so true. Yeah. So a, a helpful tool, you know, I'm not advocating that we're totally, that we move forward with utter non-empathy and we just become hermits and never go to anything. You know, there's certainly value in being a part of a family and, you know, showing up for others around the holidays. But I think we need to incorporate like our own desires here. Mm -hmm. And so a a helpful way to find balance might be to ask ourselves, hypothetically speaking, what if no matter the decision I made, I knew that everyone in my family would be happy for me and support me? How would that change which gatherings I choose to go to this year? Mm. In this process, what we do really is it removes us from the pressure of others' expectations. Oh, and that's and just so- the core of it, isn't it? Like the pressure that of others' expectations. Like I feel like that's the core issue of the festive season, really. <laughs> no doubt, right? It's constantly like, what will they think? Will yeah. I make so-and-so angry? Yeah. So you do that exercise, right? And so maybe after doing that, you realize like, okay, well, if I knew no one would mind, I'd probably skip Bobby's party and I'd probably choose to go to Sally's, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from that, you get, you tune into your truth. Mm. And once you have that information, you get to decide if you choose to honor it or not by Mm. setting those boundaries around your time. Yeah. I love that. That's such a, and it was so important there, what you said, like definitely on a case by case basis, And that also might change, you know, especially if it goes over like a week or so, depending on like your exhaustion levels or what happens at certain, uh, certain family gatherings, like, and really allowing yourself to, you know, to cancel at the last minute, if that's really what you need to do, you know? That's right. Cause you're right. Like our boundaries are living. They totally depend on how we're feeling and the context and all of that. And so there's an element of giving yourself permission to tune in and, and really listen when your body and your emotions communicate with you, mm. you know? Yeah. And I just love that it can, you know, we've talked a real, a lot about the authentic and real communication and that verbal self-defense and that it can actually open up that, that true connection with our family members and, and and a better a better quality of relationship too because you know often and I think we've you know covered all the all the, I don't want to say bad stuff but the big scary stuff around boundaries and family um, but it actually if you can move through that it can really you can really come out the other side and, and you get to the good you get to the sweet sticky stuff right 
Oh my God. I'm so grateful you brought that up because you're absolutely right. Like it's really easy to get mired down in the consequences and the fear and that's real. But then there's this whole other half of the boundary setting process, which is when you begin to really step into and live your truth, Mm -hmm. which is such a profound sense of freedom. Mm. Like once you start setting boundaries, the more you exercise that muscle, you begin to teach yourself that you can trust yourself to defend yourself. Oh, I feel like trust has been the theme of this, of, of December, (laughs) trusting Mm. yourself. Like that's so important and so vital to living a healthy emotional life. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, right. to like living that healthy way. And also like, I think it's really, ironically, it's really important for our relationships because I don't know if you can, if this resonates with you, but I know for me, like before I learned how to protect and defend myself and meet my own needs, I kind of had this unspoken expectations that others would have to do it for me. Oh, a hundred percent. Like not even unspoken. I'd be like, why, why are you not doing this for me? How dare you not do this for me? You know, like, oh man, it just changes the game. Like a hundred percent so much. And, um, Oh, like trusting yourself and trusting the universe, I think is one of the most beautiful gifts. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm still, I'm still very much working on it day to day, but I think, um, trust and faith has, it's, it's the superpower of the soul. Like, you know, Mm, I'd love to hear, you know, especially for me, I can get really, trust is something I'm really working on too. And it's Mm. so hard for me. Like I'm pretty cerebral. And so I like to have a plan and I always journal my feelings and, you know, trust is, it can be so elusive. It's so important. And and given I hear your enthusiasm and I'm curious, like, how do you cultivate greater trust in your own life? Well, I am very much at the beginning of this trusting myself journey, but I feel what works for me at the moment is making those little decisions. And then from that feedback, understanding um, and anchoring in like the feeling of trust, because there's like two things, right? So I need to, I need to be able to trust myself with my decisions and trust that Um, actually bottom line that it comes down to no matter what I am okay. And that's where, that's the bedrock for me of where trust is built. Trust in myself and trust in the universe that no matter what happens, I am okay. Because I don't think I actually realize that or put it into thought conscious, like to put it into conscious thought that 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 I'm okay on a day-to-day basis, no matter what happens, you know, or what decisions I make, because there is, there is a, um, uh, well of self-trust that I have somehow (laughs) unconsciously built. And now that I can consciously build on that, I'm excited to see what happens. Mm, That's so beautiful. And I love the imagery of sort of like this strong and unflappable foundation that you know will be there no matter what. Yeah. And I actually, you know, I love what you said because I think it's actually really relevant to our conversation about boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason is because we talk about these boundaries and we talk about the fear that others won't accept them or others won't like them. And part of becoming proficient at this art of boundary setting is being able to eventually set the boundary. And like like we said before, detach from how others will respond. And 
the thing is, like, if we don't have that firm foundation of self-trust and self-love and self-care, when others reject our boundaries or get angry or get whatever, um, we feel like we have, we can feel like we have nothing left Mm -hmm. because we don't have that firm foundation. And so the anger from someone else can feel like it's the end all, you know, whereas if we do have that firm foundation of self-love and self-trust, we are able to withstand others judgment or anger or whatever. Cause we know that at the end of the day, we have ourselves to trust and protect yeah. and advocate for us. That's so true. That's exactly, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's funny. Cause even those like basic, that's why when people talk about basic self care, like going to bed on time and, and eating food, that's good for you. It's, it can sound contrived, but all of that stuff contributes to that foundation, which oh. enables you to be authentic in your relationships. A hundred percent and build trust in yourself. Like if you can keep, like, that's another little thing to build trust, like keep one small promise to yourself every day. You know, like how many, how many times do you, oh, I'm going to eat clean today or oh, I'm going to do this or oh, I'm going to do that or I'm going to get up and do yoga or I'm going to go for this or whatever and you break those promises and that's breaking promises to yourself and that's breaking your trust. And if you can keep yes. one small promise to yourself every day, you start proving to yourself that, oh, actually I can trust myself and I am an adult functioning in this world and hey, look at me I didn't die because that thing happened (laughs) like you know (laughs) right um, and so that you know it starts building up evidence because the subconscious mind loves evidence right (laughs) I love yes absolutely yep and um exactly what you're saying is like you know we want others to respect our boundaries but are we respecting our own boundaries around what we need um and I think that's actually for folks who are entering this this work of boundary setting that would be a great first place to start is are you honoring your own boundaries around your time and space and energy um and then down the road you can get to the work of hoping others do the same yeah a hundred percent Oh, I love chatting with you, Haley. Before I let you go, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think we need to discuss in relationship to families and, you know, Christmas time and and all the things that come along with it? Mm, that's such a good question. Something that came up for me this year is I think like I don't know I don't know if this resonates with you, but I think just the process of realizing that we are not comfortable or not happy in something going on with our family can be really painful. Mm. Cause I think, you know, we get fed through the media and whatever advertising that sort of like families can be this bastion, like everything's supposed to be cool. Mm -hmm. And so down the road, if you begin to realize that you have resentment, or that a relationship actually isn't as good as you thought, or whatever, there can be a lot of grief associated with letting go of that idealized image you may have had of what family means. Um, And I just, I wanted to say that and honor that, because sometimes before you even get to setting the boundary or speaking your truth, sometimes, in my experience, I just need to give myself permission to be sad and grieve and, 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 embrace some of my sadness around the fact that I have to set this boundary in the first place. Um, and I guess that's, that's what I want to say is like, it's okay to not be okay with your family's dynamics. Um, Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that Haley. That is so, oh my God, that is so important. 
like that grief that you talk about, it's like you're grieving your inner child, I think. You know, you're grieving your inner child for, yeah, like you said, a boundary that you have to set that you, because a relationship or um or the family doesn't you know doesn't feel how it's how it looks on the outside and and that happens often in life in so many ways and shapes and forms and also in that moment like I might just add in in allowing yourself to be in that grief like know that it will pass and that that Mm. will you know like you've really got to I am so with you and that you have to honor that grief and you have to be with that grief and you have to set those boundaries but this too shall pass and it's not going to be like that forever. That's right. That's absolutely right. And by allowing yourself to feel it and let it move through you, it'll pass even more quickly. Yeah. So it's all part of the process. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you so much <laughs> for being on my show for the second time. I um, oh. I just adore talking to you about this stuff. Where can we find you, Haley, if we want to work with you? I know you do coaching on codependency and obviously like boundaries and all that kind of stuff. So tell us, tell us where we can get you. Beautiful. Um, happy to. So yes, I do work as a codependency recovery coach. And the idea is that I help folks master the art of speaking their truth, conquer the people pleasing pattern and set empowered boundaries. Mm. And you can learn all about that um, at my website, www.haleymcgee.com. Um, and I'm actually offering 25% off coaching packages through December 30, 31st. So if you're doing some New Year's resolution setting, I'd love to partner with you on the journey. And uh, yeah, Nikki, our chats always leave me. I'm like on fire. I feel like I need to journal for two hours to process all of this. <laughs> Thank oh, you so much. I love it. you so much. Thank you so much for, for being on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Oh, I just love that woman. Thank you so much for sharing this time and space with us. I really hope that you got a lot out of today's episode and that it's helped you feel a little bit more ease and a little bit more power and strength around going into this festive season and extended family, (laughs) extended family events. As always, from my heart to yours, thank you so much for listening today. And if you know someone who needs to hear this, please, please, I invite you to share it with them. Send it to them now before you forget. And if you're feeling extra generous, I would love for you to leave me a five star and written review on wherever you happen to listen to this podcast. If you want to catch up with me on the socials, you can find me on Instagram at quintessentialbeingbynikki. Until next time, big love.